0: Welcome to Build Up with Mike Evans. Enjoy listening. What does God require of me? That word requirements. You know, it kind of is like a double-edged sword. There's parts of me that really appreciates that word. That likes it because, you know, I'm a structured guy. I like to, you know, make a list and check off that list in order. And if I'm at a job, I want to know what are my requirements. Don't tell me just to do whatever or, or, you know, just keep things all loose like that. I like to know what are the requirements so I can check it off and do it the right way. And I feel good about that. But when it comes to our relationship with God, I don't know how I feel when it comes to requirements. Right. Because there's a part of me that says, oh, My relationship with God, and there's requirements to that relationship, you know, it kind of brings up those fears of, oh, yep, serving God and going to church and living that Christian life is all about following rules and regulations. It's all about you can do this and you can't do that. And that's a fear that a lot of people have of the church. But aren't you thankful that to be a doctor, there are requirements, right? You know, if, 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 if a doctor is going to perform surgery, there are requirements that that doctor has to have in order to f- perform that surgery. You know, thank God that I can't just go and perform surgery on, on someone right now. Right. If someone has a problem, I say, hey, just come on over to the house and I'll take care of it. All right. I got you. Thank God that that is not how it works. Right. And so we appreciate that. We appreciate all that the doctors have to go through, all of the schooling, all of the years of 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 experience, and then the all all the tests that that, uh, they, that uh, they have to pass. We appreciate that because they are set apart from us, right? I'm not a doctor; I can't you know prescribe medicine or or or, or, or perform surgery on you. They are set apart because of the requirements that they have to do what they are doing. You see, the nation of Israel, they're going to have requirements for them. And you might say, hold up, why? Why is that? Well, do you know that in that time when the nation of Israel was, was coming out of Egypt and they're starting to form to become this nation that at that time in history, All the other nations were polytheists, meaning that they worshipped many gods, right? They were different. And so God right away set them apart by saying that you are going to be monotheists, right? They are going to worship one God because God wants them to be set apart from everyone else. And so because God wants them to be set apart from everyone else, there's going to be requirements, right, to worship one God, love one God, serve one God. And then whenever they did this throughout their history, blessings followed. Whenever they were faithful to whatever God required of them to be faithful and true to him, man, yeah, they sure, they still encounter difficulties, you know, Goliath still came and, and and difficult times still came, but God saw them through all those difficult times. Then, later on in their history, if you look at the book of Judges, you know it's it's gonna say there, everyone did as they saw fit, for there was no king during that time. Everyone did as they saw fit. And you know what happens when we all do what we see as fit? Usually, that ends in disaster. Today, that's how it is for us. Whenever we just, you know, just just go with the heart, just do whatever makes you happy, normally, that is going to end in disaster for us at one point or another. So God establishes these requirements for the nation of Israel in order for them to be set apart from everyone else. And he wants us to be set apart as well. And so here's kind of the bedrock of those requirements. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 10 starting off at verse 12. Moses is at the end of his time as the leader of of Israel and he's going to have this big farewell speech and this is kind of how he's going to start it off. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? There it is, you guys. Let's listen. What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. So, again, this is Moses' farewell speech. He's going to, you know, summarize how they're going to go into the promised land and take possession of, of, of the promised land, but not due to their righteousness. In fact, then he's going to summarize, you know, uh, in all of the ways of how they have been stubborn and, and, and unfaithful to God. But he's going to instruct them, though, that but if you are going to succeed in the promised land, here are the requirements. This is what we have to follow. So what were those requirements? It started off with this. Fear the Lord your God. That's the first thing that Moses told them. Israel, fear the Lord your God. And he's not saying don't, you know, feel like you have to walk around on eggshells around God and, and, you know, be scared of him. What he is saying is Israel, honor God. Honor him, like like hold him in such high honor, and such high regard that you would never want to do anything to offend him. like Like whatever decision you're about to make, whatever conversation you're about to have, wherever you're about to go, you would think, is this going to offend God? Because if it is, I don't want to do it because I fear the Lord. It makes me think of Joseph. Back when Joseph is going to be sold by his brothers and 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 go into slavery. He's going to serve in Potiphar's house. God's going to be with him there and give him a favor. He's going to rise in and and then be, you know, the person in charge of Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar's wife is going to try to get him to go to bed with her. And she tries again and again and And Joseph has a conversation with her, and I love part of his response to her. He says this to her. He says, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He's saying, how could I offend my God by doing something like this? Sure, no one might know, but God would. God is everywhere. God sees everything. I fear him. I don't want to do anything to offend him. And let's have the same attitude. God requires us to fear him. The second requirement is to walk in all his ways. So Moses is saying, live your life, Israel, by his standards. By God's standards. Not doing as you see fits, but living by his standards. It's not about us anymore. It's, 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 it's not about what we want anymore. You know, there's two ways to live life for us. There's two ways. We can live according to the flesh, meaning doing whatever we want, whatever we feel like doing, whatever makes us happy. Or we can live according to the Spirit. And if you've accepted Jesus in your heart as Lord and Savior, well, we still have our flesh, but we have the Spirit living in us now. And now it's our choice on which way are we going to go, which way are we going to choose to live, according to our flesh or according to the Spirit. And this is what Paul has to say about that in Romans 8, verse 8. Those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. So if you're going to live life according to how you UCS fits, just doing whatever pleases you, whatever you want to do, Those controlled by the flesh cannot please God, Paul writes. But then he says, you, however, if you've said yes to Jesus, you, so talking to you and me right now, if you said yes to Jesus, you, however, are controlled not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ, but if Christ is in you, then your body is dead because of sin, and your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And this is how you and I can walk in all of his ways and fulfill that requirement by God. By, by saying, I don't want to you know, live according to my flesh, but I crucify my flesh, and I'm going to pick up my cross and follow you and live according to the spirit that now lives in me. So God requires us to walk in his ways. The next requirement is to love him. Moses says to love him. And this isn't some, you know, some feeble kind of love, some wayward love. It's not a transactional love or, or, or a conditional love. I know that's something that we could all, you know, get in trouble of sometimes. You know, when when, when things are good, money's in the bank, job is going great, relationships are good, well then, man, it's easy to love God during those times, right? But man, but how about when things aren't going that well? When things aren't going that good, When 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 it seems like the prayers aren't being answered and we're still struggling in all these different areas, do we love God? Do we still love Him during those times? So the love here that Moses is telling the nation of Israel to love God with it's a love that's going to love him for who he is. It's going to love him because he first loved us. You know, Jesus tells us that the greatest commandment is to love God. That is the greatest commandment that you and I have, to love God and then to love others. You know, whenever I do a wedding, a line that I always share is, is you know, you will love each other best, talking to the two future husband and wife here, you will love each other best when you love God most. And it's so true for all of us that when we love God most, man, he enhances our love for our spouse. When we love God most, above all things, he enhances our love for our kids, for our family members, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors. He enhances, he teaches us how to love them when we love God most. So God requires us to love him. The next requirement is to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. All that we do now is a service unto God. That doesn't mean that if you said yes to Jesus, then that's it. You better go and and find a church and work in the ministry and that's the rest of your life. God may call you to do that and God bless you for that. But what what Moses is telling the nation of Israel here when he says to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, it means that in all that we do now, God is at the center of it. In all that we do, at your job, at your home, as you go on about your day, that God is in the center of all that you do. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as if you're working for the Lord and not for men. I love Derek Carr's uh, this 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 uh this post that he had a while ago you know it was a picture of him working out and his t-shirt his t-shirt said what you call worship or I'm sorry what you call work I call worship and I love that you know because here he is quarterback in the Raiders and he's saying man this isn't work for me this is worship because I serve God in all that I do. Because I serve the Lord, my God, with all of my heart, with all of my soul. Me playing football, this is worship. So you going to work, that's worship unto God. Serve him with that. You, you know, just being at home and then being with your family members or going out and running errands or, or your relationships, it's all unto God now. Because we serve the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our soul. And the last requirement that Moses brings up here is to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes. Moses tells the nation of Israel, keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes. So don't just know it, but keep it. Right? It It should live inside of you is what Moses is saying. Because if it lives inside of you, then truly change is going to take place. You know, sadly, the traffic laws, I know them, but I can't say that they live inside of me. Now, I do my absolute best to honor them, to be a safe driver, but do I ever go above the speed limit? Sometimes I do. I confess, right? Do I ever maybe do other things that I shouldn't do? I don't do it with any ill intention or anything like that, but I probably do, right? Because I know those traffic laws, but they don't live inside of me, right? Like, it hasn't transferred from my head to my heart, but this is what Moses is telling the nation of Israel to keep the commandments of the Lord, his statutes. Keep them. Don't just know them, but keep it. Let it live inside of you. So God, so God brings these, these, these requirements to the nation of Israel. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why should God require this? And why should any of this matter to us? Why should it matter to the nation of Israel? Why should it matter to us? Well, if we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 10, looking at verse 14 now, it says this. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens and the earth with all that is in it. So Moses tells them, hey, everything belongs to God. Heaven, earth, all that is in it, it all belongs to God. That's how big he is. But verse 15 says this, Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. So Moses tells them, everything belongs to God, you guys. He is the maker, the creator of it all. It all belongs to him. And you know what? He could have, you know, made us as robots, you know, just to do whatever he wanted, but he set his heart in love with you. Let that sink in right now. Just pause. That God, the maker of heaven and earth, the one that holds it all in his hand, he is chose to set his heart in love with you you might be thinking hold on hold on now Moses is saying this to Israel right that he set his heart on Israel to be in love with them and you're right that's where it all started that's not where it ended thank God in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 Here, Paul's going to write a letter to the church in Ephesus. These are all non-Jews, just like you and me. They're all non-Jews. And this is what he says. Because they have accepted Jesus into their heart, he writes this. Therefore, you are no longer strangers or foreigners. So you and me, we are no longer strangers or foreigners. But... Fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household—that's who you are now. You belong to the body of Christ. You are a son and a daughter of the King of Kings, and you are no longer a stranger or a foreigner. But you are—but you are a fellow citizen with the saints and members of God's household. So that promise of of God saying that He set His heart in love with them. He has set his heart in love with you with me, and Peter even takes it a step further when he writes a letter to 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 a bunch of different um uh Christians all over the place here in first peter two nine saying, "You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness." And into his marvelous light. So, why should God make these requirements to fear him, to love him, to serve him, to keep his commandments? Why why should he have these requirements for us? It's because we are his children and we belong to his family, and because he has set his heart in love with us. And he did that so much. He even went to the extent of sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and me. And so now our goal with these requirements to fear him, to love him, to know him, to keep his commandments, to to serve him. Our goal with these is that it wouldn't be an obligation. It wouldn't be something that we feel like, oh, this is what I have to do if I'm going to be a Christian, that it wouldn't be an obligation, but it would be a delight. It would be a delight to fulfill these requirements because we, we understand, wow, God, you love me so much. You set your heart in love with me that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for my sins, for my sins. He did that for us. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says this, He, being Jesus, he himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You have been healed because of what Jesus did for us on the cross by displaying his love for you and me. You have been healed so that you and I can now live a life, not in our flesh, doing whatever we want to do. But now we can live a life in the spirit and we can live a life to fulfill these requirements because Jesus did the work for us. He died on the cross. He rose again. And now all we have to do, all we have to do is say, you know what? I'm going to reset my heart. You know, maybe you, you have said yes to Jesus, but, you know, life gets crazy, and, and then all of a sudden, we, we, we end up somewhere where we don't want to be, and all we have to do is reset our heart and go back to fully surrendering, unconditionally, fully surrender, unconditionally surrender to God our hearts and say, God, I'm yours. My life, all of it, it's yours. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. And now I can live a life in the spirit to fulfill these requirements. And you only set these requirements because you love me. Because you want to see me succeed. Because you want to see me walk through those doors that you know are going to be best for me. And because you don't want to see me go through pain and heartache. And so you set these requirements. And now I want to make living out these requirements a delight. Not an obligation, but a delight. Because of the love that you have shown me, the least I can do is live for you. Amen.